cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they gonna say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return, and I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Welcome up back to Saxon Jackson. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 25 cents. NASA Futures up 18, but that's all right. We'll be up by the end of the day. It's... We, uh, all you have to do is put your money in the market and stop working. That's that's what we're doing now. That's what everybody's thinking. We'll see how that works. It always works that way for a while, and then maybe not so much, but it's been quite a while. Do we have Kevin? You do. Good morning. How if are I you? If I stop working, do I have to give up my job, too, or just stop working? Um, well, you like your job, so. Yeah, I do like my job. So you're in, in one of the, you're in the rarefied group, I think, a little bit. So an interesting... Uh, conversation last night with a, an individual, actually an attorney, so let's say allegedly learned, um, and I, we were just talking about having Monday off, and I said something about, well, Matty Weber's firm um, has made new, Juneteenth their new holiday, and essentially took away President's Day. Not, you know, whatever they want, I mean, it has nothing to do, and this guy says, well, why, why not? I mean, Juneteenth is so important. It was such a, an amazing thing that people were still enslaved after they were essentially supposed to be let go. I mean, I, I get that. I mean, I horrendous thing. Is and, and most of the presidents were were you know a bunch of buffoons anyway. And I said, well, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute. The reason for this in the first place. This is somebody who's not a kid. Is we had George Washington's birthday. I mean, kind of remember him, the father of our country. And then we had Lincoln's birthday, and instead, by the way, there would be no Juneteenth if it wasn't for him, last time I checked history, uh, and what they did is they combined those two people's birthdays into one day and just called it President's Day, and I guess all the other guys had to sort of pile that. But if you know the history of it, I don't know if you'd trade it for anything. We'd be Canada if it wasn't for George Washington. The guy's like, oh no, we wouldn't. Somebody else would have done it. No. <laughs> Who? <laughs> well, somebody else might have stepped into the leadership breach. Um, and, and you know, from uh, what I haven't read any history of uh, the American Revolution for a long time, uh, but there, you know, there, if I recall, uh, Washington was kind of, you know, the reluctant hero. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and... Uh, uh, so, yeah, might somebody else have stepped in instead and been successful? Possibly. But might somebody else have stepped in and not been able to pull it off? At least equally possible. Well, I, uh, the, whole, the whole idea, I mean, I, I read, actually, these, whole, these old dudes are probably all dead. We're all talking, they're British guys, talking about the, all the wars that Britain has fought. And one guy said, well, who do you think was the toughest general that we ever went up against? And the guy goes, that's easy, Washington. I mean, the dude raised money to pay the guys he needed to pay, the mercenary people. He, he raised the volunteer part of the army, somehow got weapons from someplace, negotiated all this stuff with, with France with maybe a couple guys' help. And, oh, by the way, was the general. 
And he, he was like the George Hallis of football. He was the end. He was a ticket taker. He owned the place. I, mean, I, I don't know that anybody else had that kind of ability. And, 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 you know, really going on a wing and a prayer all that time against a very well-funded, well-trained army um, and keeping his focused, even though I know they had their ups and downs and I oh, know yeah. they had their, their crucial moments and, and so on. But people who can do that are just rare. And, you know, we, we should have a better appreciation than ever for it right now because, you know, we don't have anybody who's, who's uh, appearing capable of doing that for us, and, we, and it's what we need. Well, we're, I, not up against, we're not up against a... Uh, well, we are up against a well-funded enemy, but we're not up against a, uh, a better-funded enemy. We have, you know, we have all the resources at our disposal, and yet the ability of our leaders for anybody to step into the breach and get us to a point where you can, you can rally the population around some really core principles and make it happen that's that there's nobody there doing that no i i can't even i i don't even i can't even imagine what the i can't imagine what what the slavery slash geographical boundaries of the country would look like if it wasn't for lincoln i i, I don't even I, mean, I can't even i mean maybe somebody else would have done the same thing but i i, I don't know i mean uh I, well in in you know, some of it was for him. I'm sure was pragmatism. Some of it was courage. You know, I mean, there there were just a lot of doses of a lot of things there, and so that became an important aspect of what he was doing as well. And again, it's you know, it, it, it's moment in time. And yes, I get what people are saying when they say, "Well, you know, somebody would have done it." Um, it's it's a moment in time, but there's a lot of people that are not up to the moment. Who I don't. Get I, I don't trust into that position. I think when when it's it's. Well, you really shouldn't really say this, but as, as time goes by, it's the uh, accomplishments of people, either present or past, mostly past, seem to get glossed over with this new idea that I could have done it. It's no big deal. I don't. I can't even imagine what it was like uh, Lincoln even campaigning from Illinois for president when you had trains and stagecoaches, for God's sake. I mean... Uh, Traveling, keeping the country together, having all, trying to move forward at the same time you're fighting a war, building a railroad because you wanted to keep California as part of the place <laughs> and not separate because you wanted to connect the two places. That's what that's what the railroad was for, was to make sure the country was connected, so they wouldn't just separate. I mean, I, I don't think people have any concept of how how this how difficult this was for in World War Two. I mean. The idea that you could... We, we can't even do an interchange here in eight years. Those guys went from a peacetime economy to thousands and thousands and thousands of planes and tanks and people and, what, five million people in the Army? Kevin, it was three and a half years, for God's sake. Maybe four, right? December 7th to whenever, the middle of 45. 41 to 45. It wasn't even four years. I mean, the, the people's lack of respect for those kinds of accomplishments... And the people that pulled it off, and the and the, and the amount of uh, people working together it took, I I don't I don't if you don't even appreciate it, it's never going to happen again. You know, you can't even imagine it if you don't appreciate it. I can't, I can't really well, imagine and, it. And just the persistence it takes yeah. to uh, to continue to make progress, to keep having obstacles thrown in your way. I mean, I I know this from 
you know, turning around departments from taking over very dysfunctional departments of a business and uh, and getting them into shape. Heck, I made a career out of it. You know, did that had to do it several times. And and the the thing is, it really is, you know, what what the biggest challenge or one of the biggest challenges is, somebody's got to be the optimist. Somebody's got to be the one who always believes that it's going to happen, even when you, you know, deep down inside, you're going, I have no idea how we're going to get to tomorrow <laughs> and, uh, and do it successfully. And you may have to go lock yourself up in your office or wherever you, uh, you want to lock yourself up and scream and pull your hair out and then turn around and go back out and be the optimist for everybody else so that they can get it done so that everybody else can believe. And that is a that alone, just that piece of it, forget all of the aspects of all the tasks that you have to do and all the things that you have to coordinate just that is an incredible challenge to people well there's a reason why churchill drank <laughs> let's put it that way <laughs> right i mean I, I, I don't know i think he drank because he liked it well that's uh i still think the one that the guy sent me from uh in the in the quora where he's walking along with his wife and uh his wife starts talking to this guy who was i don't know he's a traffic cop or a engineer of some kind or somebody who's working on the street and she says how do you know that guy she goes well I I used to date him and uh, he said well if, if you'd have married him you'd been like a wife of a, of a street cleaner or something and, he, and she goes no if I married him he'd be the vice he'd be, he'd be the he'd be the chairman or whatever yeah. <laughs> the church was like looking at her but uh, I mean I you uh, that's what what really causes me to wonder what what we're doing right now politically. I I read uh, there's, there's a there's a book I'm sure it's still out there. Uh, I, re- I recommend it to everybody. It's called A Man Called Intrepid, and it was a story of Bill Stevenson, who was the head of the British Secret Service during the war. And the guy was this multi-talented dude. Uh, that you know he he was a, a big-time mathematician. He was one of the inventors of television, I guess. Uh, made a lot of dough, was also light heavyweight boxing champ in, in Britain. So the guy had multiples of talent, and he was in charge of this thing, and they said he would, with all the agents all over the world that they had out there, you know, guys like 007 and stuff, basically, uh, that he he read the and he read every report that came across his desk. He said he read the equivalent of a Victorian novel every day and had all this in his head, where this person was, where that person was, and how... Any kind of a raid, any kind of something, how they could get some intelligence out of it, was in charge of the whole Enigma thing where they where they cracked the codes and stuff. I mean, the, now people don't even know there there are people like that. Let alone, we should find a way to get them into a, a position of responsibility. Now we don't want anybody in response in a position of responsibility can't be bought by somebody or controlled by somebody. I mean, we we want we want guys like Denny Hastert where people have a hatchet hanging over his head. I mean, who the hell put that guy in office? They they controlled him, and I'm sure some of these other people are controlled by money. If you, if people take a bribe, you own them, right? If people take money, you know, and we make these campaigns so hard to, so expensive to run, especially when you run one. Even if you're an honest person, if you run one, your opponent's money is going to be coming from outside your district, which means now you have to essentially sell out just to compete. I mean, it's it's really screwed up, I think, Kevin, and it shows. I mean, I think it really shows. What? So you you like think we might have compromised politicians? Oh, I mean, I think all, I think all right, the way to the White House. I think they're all they're all all along the way. They are. I mean, I don't I don't, I, I can't imagine somebody running f- from the outside, and uh, 
and or from when I say from the outside, not from within the chain of the Washington BS. Trump did. Uh, he was unusual because because the, the power to press got him got him in there. Well, uh, he, yeah, a, a lot of things happen in in yeah. his dynamics. Uh, many many of which are his own damn fault, and some of which are are really a function of. Um, you know the inability to to overcome the uh, the status quo because you know how do you build out a staff that's not part of the status quo? <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, start start counting the people that uh, that you know wound up in cabinet positions. Um, they they are all products of Washington, such as it is, and so it, not only do you have to get elected, but you have to bring enough people in who are willing and able. Um, to affect real change. Now, I would, I, I do believe that there will be a lot of change with the Justice Department if he gets reelected, because this is just going to be Trump's revenge tour, and, and he he will, you know, everybody's getting fired there. That's a guarantee. Um, if but, you can even, uh, if you can even do that, why can't you? I, I think it's really hard for those guys to fire people. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I actually. Um, I think it's very hard. I actually don't. I actually don't know the answer to that, Kevin. What, what if? What if you and I got in there is is a two-headed monster, and we said, you know what, this whole Department of Consumer Affairs um, is duplicate. I, I didn't say dismantle, Tom. No, just you know, just for clarification. Well, I'm saying this whole. I, I don't know who, if, how many of these people were approved, not approved. I guess what I'm saying I, I'm asking the question. I don't know. I mean, if you just said, look. Every function these people have, these people, and they're all probably very good people that show up and do whatever they're supposed to do, whatever that is. Every every one of them, you say all these jobs are really in other places. I mean, if you're talking about consumer protection at the banks, well, that's the job of the Fed and the comptroller of currency and the state people. If you just say it's duplicative, we just want to get rid of this whole department. And oh, by the way, you can apply other places. I don't know if anybody has that power. When when the Congress is, is a portion of money, do you? No, but you can you can fire management. So you know people like Ray gone. And now here here's your question: is the the question isn't can he do it? Is how deep can he go? And then who will be the replacements? Yeah, I mean, and he's been pretty awful that, with that. That's that's always the issue. Is okay, I got rid of that guy. Who am I going to hire? I mean, this this is a guy who, um, you know, the the first thing he did for chief of staff was Reince Priebus. Reince Priebus is the ultimate insider, you know, the ultimate swamp. Well, you, you, uh, well, you sort of, you need to have somebody at least knows how you put a bill into Congress. I wouldn't right. know how to so, do it. So you have to know yeah. how to navigate it, and at the same time, you have to be, uh, you know, either not a product of the system or so disgusted with the system that you are willing to participate in changing it. And and even then, you're probably not going to be able to pull it off. But but at least you start. You know, you start doing the things that are going to give you a chance to pull it off. And, and I guess what I'm saying is, you know, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go to get somebody to run the Justice Department who has the qualification and the chops to do it and is not a product of that system? Well, I guess, you know, I mean, and, and I don't, I don't have a good. Well, when's the last that. time that, and it wasn't very long ago. I'm going to say maybe hours ago, maybe not in your sleep, but where somebody will say about an individual. Well, he or she says they're going to do this, so I'm for them. And you look at them and you say, have they ever accomplished anything in their life? I mean, I go back to the 
the uh, the debates, the ridiculous debates with nine people up there. They became a circus for. I won't say the losers in this in this country, but people who w- think that these positions are are just regular are for regular folks, let alone a guy like Trump. The debates. There's nine people up there. He never shut up. He insulted everybody, and people thought that he because he he browbeat the people up there and ran over the moderator that somehow he won the debate. The man never said a word of, of any intelligence to any one of them, and yet he became president. I mean, he, 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 has, he has none none of the mental capacity. I'm not saying Biden does. None of the mental capacity. If you were to list 30 things that I think a president should have, he doesn't have any of them. No knowledge of anything, no knowledge of economics. I mean, he knows how to, how to bribe people and how to, how to not pay people and, and, and dare him to sue them when he's got lawyers and they don't. That's his business acumen. And, and, and to hook, the, hook up with everybody he wants to and knows how to intimidate some bankers when he owes them money, that, that's his business acumen. But nowhere in those debates did he say a, a word about anything other than drain the swamp, get these people out of here, that, that resonated with anybody who's ever spent a year in school. Well, and he may have thought he could even do some of that stuff, if you, if you think about it, because he was used to being in a position where I can just say, well, screw him, fire him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but look how, let me talk about a guy who went bankrupt. How many, he, he, he has been successful at that. His old man had to bail him out how many times. And well, the Russians yeah, so, yeah I, I know that story, but some of the bankruptcy is just the way that people conduct that business in commercial real without estate. Without a doubt, too. without I, a doubt. I, so, I, I'm, you know, there, there are parts of the Trump story as it relates to bankruptcy that I consider a big problem, and other parts of the Trump story uh, as it relates to bankruptcy is just saying that's how you terminate a, a real estate project, and that's well, there's, how there's, it's done, as much as I find that distasteful. I, I, have, I have tried and uh, admittedly failed on virtually every attempt to get somebody on Stocks and Jacks who is, and most of my tax guys, people I know that are really good at taxes, don't really delve into this area, but somehow, some way, I think, and I'd like to have somebody explain to me whether I'm right or wrong. Let's just say, in, in, in my business, if you're a trader or or whatever, and a well, trader or you're an investor, if you uh, invest, you know, a whole bunch of say say you invest a million dollars in an account. I'll be big on this, and you somehow sell a whole bunch of naked calls or puts, which of course hopefully nobody would recommend you do, and you lose four million. You can't take four million off your taxes. You can only take one, because that that's all the money that you had invested. The other three, unless you come up with it and put it in there and pay off the clearing firm or your brokerage firm or whatever, you you didn't have that you didn't have that much skin in the game. Somehow in real estate, I don't I think you can take losses that you didn't and it, more than you actually put in, Kevin. I'm not positive on that, but I think you can, because so because that's where, where Trump got a lot of these losses. I mean, they're saying that he, that he had a billion dollars of losses in this one, one, you know, whatever a casino or something. Trump never put a billion dollars into the thing. But somehow, I think there's some some laws, and I really wish somebody w- could come in, would come in, and, ex- and explain it, because I'm probably all wrong about it. But I think there's there's ways in real estate where you can actually take losses more than you. And you actually had skin in the game, which in virtually any other business you can't. That's that was the big, uh, the big thing that the guy they get who, who took over uh, Countrywide was that Bank America or somebody? Mm, don't remember. It was either Bank America or Wells Fargo 
they gave those guys a one-time deal that they could use all of Countrywide's losses. And way back in the day, if PTI Securities, um, if we were looking around and you know we're making a whole bunch of dough, which you know would be great, and we saw you know uh, Kevin Securities, and they just had like a really bad year, and you were going out of business, but you had a, a million dollars worth of losses, we could buy you for say a hundred grand and use the million dollars worth of losses, where you actually get the hundred grand when you had nothing, and you say, well, that's not a bad do, because you had nothing because you lost everything, and then we well, get the but you can't do that anymore. You can't. Isn't, isn't that the difference between buying the company and buying the assets of the company? Well, a lot that, of that, you do that to you do assets. that to get rid of liability in case you know there's a liability out there you don't know about. But the the idea of buying a company just because they have losses on the books, you used to be able to do that, and then all of a sudden well, you losses could. you can carry forward is what you're right, saying. Right, but you couldn't you couldn't buy somebody else's losses and use them. But but this countrywide they allowed whoever took them over to do that. That's why the deal got done. So whatever bank it was got to use countrywide's you know exorbitant amount of losses against their taxes, so we're making it a great deal, or else they never would have done it. SP futures up four, Nasdaq futures up forty. We'll be up you know two percent by the end of the day. That's what we do. We'll be right back. Stacks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630 401 8810 or search us on the web at cognoshr.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. 
I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, Right there, right there, right there, right there. Well, and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP futures up five and a quarter, and NASDAQ futures up 40. Now futures down 15, so we're muted here, but that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll take off here. We always do. Uh, in the last 15 days, I'm looking at Microsoft on, on March. Uh, where are we? March 13th. The stock was 247. Now this morning it's up again. It's 350. It's up $100 in essentially six weeks, eight weeks. That's uh, make that 10 weeks. That's uh, that's really something. <laughs> I don't, you know, I can't even have a. I, I just wish I had a bunch. I guess. Uh, Dax up 72.4 percent. FTSE up 29.4 percent. CAC around up 72. It's a full one percent. We're in Asia. We've got. The Nikkei up 220.6%. The Hang Seng up two days in a row. Wow. Up 211. It's back through over 20,000. 20,000 040. Shanghai up 20.6%. Uh, We've got yesterday we had the Dow up 428. SP up 53. NASDAQ up 156. And I'm going to say the, the Fed has totally caved on, 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 on any kind of inflation fighting whatsoever. And they, they're very happy with the price level there is now. And if you don't like it, screw you. You should have been in, you should have been in stock. Uh, bonds. Uh, Ten-year up one basis point, 3.73. The Bund down three, 2.47. Japan down 2.40. We've got oil down at 16 cents, 70.46. Again, going back and forth between like 67 and 74, with 70 being like the midpoint. Uh, Brent down a dime, 75.57. Natural gas up five cents, 258. An interesting little rally here recently from right maybe 220 something to 258. Doesn't seem like much. Uh, because it was nine dollars like a year ago, but still, it's a, it's been creeping up pretty steadily here. Our Bob unchanged 264, and it's high for our Bob. Uh, gold uh, up 610, 1976. Again, right in his middle, back and forth it goes, but it seems like it locks right in around this 1975 number. Silver up 12 cents, 2407. Copper down a penny, 388. Bitcoin up 62, 25,464. And we've got the U.S. dollar is uh, down just a hair. But the, uh, but the but the euro is now 1095, you know. So and, and the British pound is up 128. So I mean, two and three percent moves in, in the currencies is one of the reasons why the stocks are are uh, are going. Well, why, why gold should be going up, but it isn't. But the dollar, these dollar movements are all about these interest rates, back and forth, back and forth. Central bank is doing way too active, way too active. What do you got for us, Andrew? With traffic, weather, sports. 
All right, it is a 6.37 here in Chicago on June 16th. Starting off with some sports, just some baseball from yesterday. Uh, we had some losses here in Chicago. Actually, no, excuse me, just one loss here in Chicago. That was the White Sox against the Dodgers. White Sox lost 5-4. But the Cubs won over the, excuse me, Cubs won over the Pirates 7-2. And Oberon Phoenix, the Diamondbacks also lost to the Phillies 5-4. Now over Chicago weather, it's currently 54 degrees. We have cloudy skies right now. We're going to have a high of 70 degrees today, and then it'll hit around 5 p.m. Now over in Phoenix, they're at 79 degrees, clear skies. They're going to have a high of 101 today, and that's going to hit somewhere between 2 and 5 p.m. Now finally for Chicago traffic, looks like a pretty good day today. Uh, I mean, I guess it's usual for a Friday, but... Uh, traffic is pretty minimal, uh, no accidents to report. The only thing to look out for is, as always, that Kennedy construction if you're coming inbound on the Kennedy, but otherwise things are looking pretty clear today, so good routes. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Speaking of combinations, we have DraftKings making a 195-hour bid for points bet, outbidding Fanatics. Okay, so we're going to have the concentration on Zoldaners. We haven't heard much about the, the guy on the one team, the football player that they... Uh, are looking into for sports betting. Really, Kevin, we, did, we figured out that maybe with all the sports betting, some players and umpires and owners and stuff might get involved. If we, or we decided this generation of creatures is above that. Uh, I think we've decided this generation of creatures is above that. It would never happen. Actually, they they did suspend three Detroit Lions, uh, and and at least one of them was uh, uh, was I think a whole season suspension. Sort of like Paul Horning and Alex Karras, eh? Well, yeah, it, you know, the I, I believe the rules for NFL guys is um, you, you can't bet on the NFL, period. Um, whether it's your own team or whether it's any other team, you just are not allowed, but you're allowed to bet on anything else. And I think they also tell them they can't bet on their team's premises. Uh, so they have to, you know, they can, they can bet from home or wherever, but they can't do it. Uh, you know, on, on but you can run up a big a big loss betting on baseball. Oh, but there are people who have big losses, yeah. That uh, because, you know, what you're, what are you dealing with? It's the same thing we saw with Michael Jordan when he you know had his big golfing losses. These guys are all really really competitive. They're not necessarily judicious about it, but they are competitive. And uh, you know, you throw down a chance to compete with them, and. It, you know, and, and there's a lot of guys that believe, well, I'm, you know, I'm just going to keep doubling down until I win because that's how I, you know, how I roll. That you know, gambling is not good for the guy, the people who are professional athletes because the personality profile just is such a bad mix. What do you make of the uh, reverse uh, strike at Oakland? Uh, tell me about the reverse strike. Well, they at they decided they were going to uh, demand that instead of the team meeting. Uh, leaving that this idiot essentially sell, should sell the team. So, Andrew, look this up. I think they showed up with like 40,000 people or something. Oh, yeah, when they, uh, and they were silent for a hitter, and then, uh, and then after that they, decide, they started chanting, sell the team. Yeah. So they, they went with total silence in the arena with a lot of people there and then followed it up with, okay, now we're going to speak and it's going to be sell the team. When are we going to get uh, rid of the you know, baseball? Nice, nice little fan revolt. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of like it. When are we going to get rid of baseball's antitrust exemption? Never. Why? Because yeah, they have some sway somewhere. Maybe they're one of the people, you know, one of those that are really good at making sure somebody's compromised so that they can control how, it. How bad was that Supreme Court compromise to make that decision? 
you know, <laughs> that was in the aftermath of all the betting scandals that they had, wasn't it? No, it was. Uh, or was it for, for those that don't don't know, everybody thinks that the the uh, baseball's antitrust is a congressional act. It's not. It was a Supreme Court decision, and it was a uh, justice. Wasn't it? Was it Oliver Wendell Holmes? Somebody who's really famous, and they ruled that even though you went from state to state to play other teams, the antitrust, the Sherman Act, did not apply to baseball because it was not interstate commerce. Yeah, which uh, then we turned around with healthcare and said it's interstate commerce. Yeah. So I mean, it's uh, it's. It, I mean, so even, even though it's state regulated, so the so the Sox going to L.A. does not cast interstate commerce. I mean, and whose world? The reason why I brought that up is we have this situation going with golf now. As of yesterday, what the Department of Justice is going to look into the the merger between L.I.V. and the P.G.A. And yet, anybody who has looked at this for well as long as I've been alive, the thing was a monopoly to start with. So you get competition, yeah, I, you form back into a monopoly. Now, what, it was a problem all along, not just now. What, is well, it? It, it was, and, and you know a little bit more about antitrust law than I do, um, and Lou would probably really be the guy to ask, because my reaction, because you, you, you had sent that out yesterday, and, and I agree that it, there has been no competition for ages. The, the question is, has anybody tried to create competition for that tour before? Well, there, there is... A little bit because of competition in the U.S. Golf Association with the, uh, the U.S. Open, and I think the Western Open at one point was the U.S. No, the Western Open is no more, so that ended up getting folded. So the only tournament, real tournament, is not run by the PGA; is run by the U.S. Open, and that's the only tournament that is actually an open. When I say an open, there's qualifying rounds countrywide. I mean, if you're a I think you have to be a, at least a club pro. Maybe you don't. I mean, you have to have a handicap under like five or something, and you can go and you can try and qualify for the U.S. Open. There's always amateurs in there. Uh, the PGA, on the other hand, if you want to play in the PGA, unless you get an exemption as, a, as a, maybe the best golfer at Stanford or, or Villanova or someplace, where they'll invite you to a PGA event or they invite you to the Masters, and the Masters kind of runs their own game too uh, in terms of who they invite and whatever, but... The, in order for you to be on the PGA, you have to go through the PGA Golf School. And you have to sign like an agreement with the PGA to be on the tour. Now, I, I don't know about the, the sub-tour, like the Nike Tour or however that works. Whether you have to... Because I don't think very many people get in this golf class every year, uh, Kevin. I mean, it's... I mean, I, you know who knows a lot about it is our buddy Jim Doherty. Because um, he was big friends with... Uh, probably still is with Bob Zender. Bob Zender was a guy who was on the PGA Tour for three, four years, but he, he didn't go through the golf school until he was like 35-ish. And he's a trained finance guy. He was working for Morgan Stanley or someplace, so he's on a tour for a while. But he, he, went, he came number one out of the school the same year that Tom Watson was in there. So, you know, Bob's one hell of a golfer. And, uh, but you, you can't – the reason why they used to do the skins game on a, on a uh, Thanksgiving is because they didn't have a tournament. And the PGA, if for you to play in a tournament somewhere else, in Europe or, or in the skins, you had to get permission from the PGA to do it. I mean, talk about a monopoly, for God's sake. Well, yeah, so, but here's, here's where, where I'm going with the questioning, is if they're a monopoly and they don't behave in any competitive practices... So, for well, they instance, do. You if you, you had, well, you, well, let me finish, yeah. let me finish, let me finish. Yeah. So if, if you get, you know, so say 
they routinely grant permission and uh, you know to play in other tours and it's never a big deal um so that would be not you know they they would not be uh, behave you know having any competitive practices plus there's the european tour anyway which is a competitor um you know whether that really helps their cause a lot or not i don't know but if they don't move to squash competition um then and they still happen to be the only show in town uh are they violating the law and i don't know the answer to that uh, so that would be question number one now clearly in this case because the guy who was you know going to head up the uh, whole organization said so they were definitely working to just take out the competition period um that's that's the wording he used which was idiotic uh, you know like i said when i responded to you an email even if it's true don't say it <laughs> well you don't you don't think that DraftKings buying points bet today wants to take out the competition oh yeah yeah people uh, people buy out their competition all the time but the question is are they buying out the competition enough to corner the market or you know in and that becomes uh, you know another you know another issue how significant uh, is it taking out the competition is it swatting down somebody that's a thorn in their side but they're still one of 10 companies in the business or is there something else going well, on? Well, here's, here's again. Yeah. This is you know I'm I'm not applying it necessarily. I'm not arguing on behalf of the PGA or anybody else. What I'm really saying is, you know, has the P has the PGA had a really serious challenge anywhere along the way that uh, that caused them to behave? Well, the idea that in, they in, in, to, to to lock out competition. Uh, or has it just unfolded that this is the first time after all these years that somebody really put up the money that was necessary to attract the golfers away well, from Well, I, I can't imagine, Kevin, when I was a member of the CBOE and the Board of Trade, I can't imagine anybody even dreaming that when I became a member of the CBOE that I had to sign some kind of a contract that for me to go, that I couldn't be a member of the American Stock Exchange, and if I decided to go out there for a week and trade, I needed their permission. Like I can't, I can't even conceive of that. Yet that's essentially what the PGA had. Okay. And so, first of all, you know, under what circumstances have have they ever withheld uh, that's, well, that's what permission? I, they, so that's part one. And part two of my question is: Okay, if they did, they should have been slapped down about that. And somebody should have brought a lawsuit, uh, you know, to, to cause it to happen. Uh, or if they didn't, um, then, you know, I, I really think, you know, part of the issue here is there may have been competing tours, but none of them ever were able to put up the money necessary well, to that's be a what, serious threat to, that's, that's uh, uh, to the PGA. So now all of a sudden we are, and that changes the uh, um, that changes the calculus for well, that's what's uh, kind of going uh, around in my competitive as situation. As you're bringing this up, it's kind of going around in my feeble brain. It, it it became a thing when Ernie Palmer essentially, for lack of a better term, he did he didn't he didn't start the British Open, obviously. The British Open's been going on for, you know, hundreds of years or a couple hundred years. But Ernie essentially said, You haven't you haven't been you, you can't say you're a, a golfer on the world stage until you win the British Open. And he shocked golf when he went over to Britain and he started playing the British Open, and he won it, you know, whatever, two, three, four times. And uh, so somehow, because of his cachet, maybe the PGA was jumped 
I don't know, but they essentially gave him permission. Now, I don't know what other tournament was that weekend at the time. We're going back, you know, 50 years probably. Uh, but all of a sudden, the British Open became a thing. And, and it got to the point where the sponsors were so big on it that they basically let that go. I don't, I don't know what would have happened if, say, the French Open or the German Open or such a thing, all of a sudden got a big purse on the day of a, of a place here and 25 guys said, we're going to go play in the French Open. I don't know that they had given permission. I mean, I, I don't know how much they wielded the power, and I don't know how, many, how much people challenged the power. Yeah, you know and, and I agree. That's exactly, and, that, and that's the really the, the only point I'm trying to make here is, um, you know, has it, has it turned into a situation uh, that required a legal challenge before? Well, you don't and, have, I mean, you have a... And, and I don't know the answer to that. Without, uh, it, without delving into stuff that's none of my business, I doubt very seriously that if you, if you had the University of Chicago call you up and say, we want to do a three-Saturday class in the midst of the business school, helping this guy out, uh, in supply chain management, because even though you know it's not necessarily a graduate level course here, it's it, everybody needs to know about it. And you say yes, I don't think you have to ask permission to your place, do you? Um, I need to disclose it. Disclose it is um, not the same thing. And as, yeah. uh, and there there is in my contract uh, or in my offer letter there was, but um, you know five years ago there was a there was some commentary about not competing with Ivy Tech. Um, which was interesting because I went and, uh, and I had some exceptions put into it, including, by the way, and you'll be pleased to know this, uh, including if we ever decide to do a, a, a stocks and jocks uh, uh, type of seminar, and, and, and I still think we need to do that. I, I do too. Um, then, uh, um, you know, we, we need to make like a, a weekend leadership and, or a weekend business retreat. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I put that in there specifically. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, that I have the right to do that, so I you know there, that that way there's no quibbling over it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think everybody in Major League Baseball signs essentially the same contract, don't they? I mean, all the rookies. Yeah, there is do. a standard boilerplate contract for them. Yep. I mean, I don't know. Maybe when you get to the point where you're a, a big shot, you don't. But um, what do you what do you make of? Uh, I mean, you've heard me talking this week. I think you have. Uh, in my my. My complaint with this incredible market rally, which isn't, by the way, a complaint, because a lot of my clients are doing great. So it's not like I'm, I'm not like I'm, I'm, I'm bitching. My guys are making money. I sure as hell am that. Uh, it does make it a little, a little more difficult to run a protected program because the question is, what do you need protection for? All we do is go up, uh, and that's a hard question to answer. Um, you know, and I'm. I'm sort of tired of hearing about it, but but it's the truth. I mean, I mean, why would anybody? Hey, what do we need puts for the last six months? Well, the answer is we didn't, you know. But but the problem is I can't trade the last six months. I got to trade the next six months. Um, but what I what I see, Kevin, it, it, what's going on? And we don't have, we don't have that like the time here, but maybe I'll talk more about it with Carl. Is it is a total disconnect, in my opinion? With any kind of sound economic principles in terms of who's getting rewarded versus who's getting screwed, and, and and if you have a competitive economy and you and you and you learn the theory of it and how it, it it essentially should affect stuff, this should never happen over a long period of time. When I say this should never happen, I mean there's there's always going to be a, a rate of return that people 
can make or live with, okay, that, that people strive for. Say, say it's, if the risk-free rate is, is three, and you're putting your, your basically your nuts on the line, maybe the, the rate of return you're looking to get, if you're really pushing, you know, if you're really pushing for it is maybe 10, 8, 10, somewhere in there. And if somebody gets something very incredibly better than the next person, for a few years, he or she is going to be making 20, 50, 75, 100. God love them. That, that's, that's, re- that's the reason why people innovate. But pretty soon, you're going to have copycatters, innovators, somebody take whatever the idea is, make it better. And after five or six years, you're going to be back down to the, to the 10% like everybody else is making. And that's, that's the vibrance of an economy. And, and if you've got all these ideas and you say, I'm going to rent these buildings, there should be competi- competitiveness in the, in the commercial real estate as well to where those people are making like 10 and because you have an innovation, you say, well, I'm going to be making 15 for the next two years on my new widget, whatever the hell I made, that I'm better off leasing uh, a building at where that guy's making 10 because I'm making 15 and I'm actually leveraging a little bit. And then all of a sudden, one of these days, but my, my point is, over a long period of time, uh, it shouldn't really matter to you whether you leased the building or bought the building. Because if inflation was zero or a couple percent a year like it's supposed to be, your business might be going up in value 2% and like so is the building. But what the Fed has done over the last 20, 25 years, it really starting back to 68, although that was a little different because there, there was a the return on, on cash money uh, was pretty much the same as you know the inflation rate or more. So you didn't get hurt having money. This time, the, the, the result of this, the, the, the people who the difference between somebody who put their money in the stock market, which should return a little more than, than a risk-free rate because it's a little riskier, I get that part. You shouldn't be in a situation where four years later, with a shutdown of the economy, the people who put their money in risk-free rates are down 35 40% on their, on their wealth, their real wealth. And the person who had the fixed assets in the market are, are not only up that 40%, but maybe another 40%. Because it's 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 just not healthy, Kevin. Because the people, you shouldn't have to be telling somebody ninety years old, you need to put your money in the market because the banks aren't giving you crap. And oh by the way, the inflation's twenty percent, and you're losing money every single day. That's 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 stuff that the Weimar Republic does, that Argentina does, that Venezuela. We're doing the same thing here. I don't, and I think very few people realize that it's happening. I, and somehow or another because I foolishly went to the University of Chicago for two years and listened to people pound this in my head, I can see it happening. And I, and I don't think there's very many that do. Isn't, isn't it just modern monetary theory, Tom? It's, yeah, know, modern monetary. Come on, it's modern. Yeah. It's modern. It's you got to go with it. you got to go with it. I mean, I don't... Uh, I mean, I, this, whole, this whole episode with the, the COVID, that was just an excuse to pour money in and, and, and favor some people versus other people. That was just oh, an excuse. Man, there, was, there was just a lot of stuff in the... Uh, and the whole COVID mess that, uh, it, I mean, that was a dry run. You know, now, now, you know, we're, we're pretty good. We, now we know how to, how to manage emergencies and how to manage people in emergencies. Yeah. And it's so good because we know there's a climate emergency and we have to take care of that. Well, that's right. And, and we also know that um, if, the, if one bank goes out, you, you, you kick the money supply by 10% that week. 
even though it's not going to go to those banks. It's not going to go to those depositors. I mean, what, what, what are you doing? It's going it to the same matter. place it always goes. Yeah, here's another emergency. It's I, you know, I, I hope we, I hope we don't end up. I mean, not, not many, unless you're some goofball like me. You don't realize that the Weimar stock market went up every single day. How did that work versus people in the market versus people that had to get paid in the morning because the prices were going up during the day so they could go shopping at lunch? <laughs> Yet the market went straight up, right? Yep. I mean, I, I don't. What? Uh, very upset with the Interhall football thing. But I don't know. It was a long time yeah, ago. Well, as a former Interhall football player, and for those who weren't listening yesterday, Interhall football, Notre Dame always had tackle football. Every dorm got to field a team, uh, and off campus got to field a team. And you played, it was running clock, so it was shortened, but, uh, uh, but you were playing uh, tackle football. You got the uh, older equipment from the, uh, um, from the football program, kind of the discards. Uh, they equipped uh, in one. Maybe they just ran out of those leather helmets they used to give us. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, um, but it was a lot of fun. We had, we always had a lot of um, you know a lot of guys who were pretty good high school football players um, who were not you know did not choose to play college football. In many cases, had opportunities like I did to play uh, small college football. And um, you know it's uh, it's it's just something you know. Um, something that's a, 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 a unusual thing about Notre Dame that is now a past unusual thing about Notre Dame and it's it's disappointing I'll miss it well I will say I'll this miss, I'll the, miss that they have it well the, the idea that uh, as a gentleman in the letter said that because 44 percent of the people had never played football before that the spread in in people's ability got to be too dangerous in his opinion but there was always sort of a spread like that. I mean, you in your year when you guys won from our dorm, you had four freshmen on the defensive line to pretty much carry the day. But you being one well, of that was my version of it being one well. Of but I mean, but there, if, if, if this guy, <laughs> so I, I really wasn't. You know, that was very tongue in cheek. We had many many good football players, but I wasn't going to let our, our buddy Dave Murphy have. Uh, you know, have have any credit for that? When, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. Well, I why should you? it up for myself. But we, when I uh, my so- I played sophomore. I didn't play the year that you. Did. I, don't, I don't know what I was doing. I was still playing sophomore. I was doing something for some reason. I, went, I didn't play. Uh, being a slug. Being or being a slug. Sluggo. Uh, the uh, there was a guy on our team, uh, Greg Hunkler. Remember him? He, he, I don't. Before I your think time. he was gone by the time I got there. Well, Greg was a, a star at Marmion Military Center. And he was pretty much. I think he was fairly hotly recruited by Notre Dame, uh, but he, it turns out he had a heart murmur of some kind, so he, they didn't give him a scholarship. But he, but man, he had lost some weight. He still wasn't in, you know, that kind of the football shape. But he was pretty tough hombre. He played center and he played uh, D end, because uh, it was, I, I was one of the tackles. He was at D end. We had two guys really good at D ends, and we had two schlumps to tackle. Me being one of them. Uh, but we played uh, Lions Hall one day, and Lions had a really awful team, but they had some guy. Uh, some African American guy on their team who was a big star as well, and he had—I don't know—he somehow messed up a knee, so nobody would take a chance on him. But he had—he gained a little weight, but he could still play. And he was playing our middle guard. I tell you what, it was quite a day watching those two guys go at each other. <laughs> and I think—I think you know, Greg. I, I'm going to say it was a draw, but it was a. There were there were our schlumps. And there were those two guys. <laughs> and if you were to sideline, you only watched those two guys because we had some good players, and we had—we we ran a wishbone. I mean, Kirk Miller was a quarterback. He was a, a wishbone quarterback out of high school. So we ran a wishbone, and uh, 
what's his name? Uh, Whippo was one of the halfbacks. He was pretty good. And uh, Paul Breen was a hell of an end. We had, you know, there were guys on there that were clearly small college material, yeah, as we, were you. We had, we had a lot of guys that could have uh, could have played elsewhere, but uh, chose not to. And uh, you know, I, I like I said, it was a lot of fun. And yeah. um, uh, you know, it, it, we practiced what hour and a half every day. But yeah, you yeah. practice. You know, you had you had to practice at least uh, three times a week or so just to uh, make sure that you had some cohesiveness and. You know, we were young and athletic, and we yeah. could take the beatings and all that kind of stuff. I did break a wrist one year doing it, um, but uh, eh, you know, part of part of the game. We had a guy we sent in for one play, and uh, he, he he was pointing north, and his ankle was pointing west. That wasn't that good. <laughs> yep. That was the guy. One, the guy one who play. Went, no no chance for glory. You know what? You know, you know who that was? Real real quick, uh, it was a uh, Fran Finnegan, and I've I've talked about him before. His Fran Finnegan was a guy. This is how screwed up things were back in those days. He went to Notre Dame on a. He, he was a, his major was going to be computer science. And he gets there and they and they bleep can the major. There was no. So this guy kept yeah, at it. Didn't kept, think it was important back then. Didn't think it was important. So he kept at it. Kept at it and every night. After after dinner, you'd see the guy trudging over to the big machine with the big huge pile of remember the punch cards. Yep. And he he ended up. He was the first guy to to piece together all all the. All the uh, stats that you see now, you know, with the Billy Ball and all this kind of crap, he was the, the first guy to to dream up, dream up, think of a plan where you could actually have four or five, maybe ten uh, specific things. Because otherwise, until then, you'd say you'd call up your you know your brother Tim, who's a coach out in uh, in California, or Dave Murphy. Dave, I hear you got a pretty good halfback. Oh yeah, this guy's terrific. You might see a little bit of film. But there was not any real well, – well, Fran was the first guy to have – at least you knew the height, the weight, the 40 time, those kinds of things. There were like eight different variables where you could say, the guy, oh, he's the fastest guy here, and it turns out the guy's you know slower than me. If he went in the, in the 40 time, that'd be hard to do. Uh, and he sold that. When he graduated, he sold that to Hank Stram for like 25000 bucks, which was massive money in 1977. And I think three or four other teams bought it from him too. The kid made – Hundred and fifty grand, like within three weeks out of gra- out of out of school, it was unreal. But it's like I broke his ankle. That kind of money in my pocket that age. I oh god, dangerous. I, I'll bet he's working somewhere. If, I'm sure he's retired now, but I'll bet he had a, an amazing, successful life in computer science because he was so far ahead of anybody else. It was scary, especially in the sports world. SP Futures up two, and SP Futures up thirty. Be right back, Mr. Carl Deniger. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. What it Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm how I'm how he's Andrew on the board. SP futures up two. These are the September futures now. Uh, we're, that we're going to be quoting here. The Nasdaq, or the Nasdaq is up 32. I think they go off the board today, the uh, the Junes. So those, there's two of them today, but after the opening, one of them will stop trading. So there you go. Uh, do we have Mr. Carl? You do. What's up, buddy? Well, you know, it's uh, Fed stuff. And, and uh, then the most dramatic, I suppose, over the last few days, is uh, yet another example of why let's outsource everything we do that's security related in corporate America. Uh, never mind things like, oh, I don't know, uh, how about driver's license information? Yeah. No. That's that's really stupid. All right, what, all right fill us in. What, what do you, for those that don't know what you're talking about. All right, well, there's a, there's a piece of commercial software out there that apparently is... Uh, extraordinarily popular for moving files around in a supposedly secure way. You know, like uh, the data and the pictures that are on your driver's license. Okay? It's kind of important that that stuff be where it needs to be within the state bureaucracy, right? I mean, you know, it's you, you go to the driver's license office, they take your picture, they have all this information, and and somehow that data has to get into the database that the cop has access to from his cop car when he pulls you over for speeding. So he can take a look at that information and say, hey, you know, this this really is Joe Schmo uh, who just gave me a driver's license, right? Well, um, apparently there's there's been an active exploit going on for the last two weeks. <laughs> I know some people that are... that started getting pinged on certain things uh, right about the start of the month 
and uh, the people have found the hole have been actively exploiting it for the last two weeks and have managed to steal things like the entire Oregon driver's license database. Interesting. Meaning meaning all the pictures, meaning all the demographic data, you know, uh, driver's licenses uh, in most states have your social, you know, most most states require you to give them the social security number. They're not on the they're not on the card anymore. They used to be. No, they're not on the card, but they but it's in the computer. It's in the database. Right. Okay. So if you manage to steal that, you've now got addresses, social security number. I mean, this is this is high value stuff. Okay. Especially when you get all of it for everybody in a given state. It's not a one off, and this is also a. It, it's not just government agencies. There's the same sort of problem exists in a whole lot of other areas. But, you know, we've, we, it's not just there. There's three or four other active hacks that are maybe related to this in some way that are going on right about now. I, uh... at, the, at, at the core, though, Chief, the problem here is that we have this, we have this concept. And I, I have been on about this for the last, oh, good God, at least 20 years that offshoring all of this development work and outsourcing it, whether it goes overseas to some idiot in India who really doesn't know how to code his way out of a paper bag, but he's he's really good at using Google to search Stack Overflow, uh, is stupid. Okay, we're talking about... Uh, you know, because here's, here's the problem when you get down to it. All right, the, the people who who sell this particular code. The reason it's so popular, by the way, is because it's supposedly an enterprise-grade answer to how do I get data in a secure fashion from point A to point B, okay? And it can be centrally controlled. Uh, and so it's, it, it is quite popular, and it's, it's used by a lot of different companies and a lot of government agencies. Okay, fine, except how do you hold them accountable when something like this happens. Well, you don't. Well, that's right. They don't have, number one, they don't have enough money. Number two, you know, even if you, if you could. Number two, when you bought this software, whether you buy a license to it, you know, a, a, a cloud subscription, you know, like with, with Salesforce or whatever, no matter how you actually came up with it, you have almost certainly agreed that the liability and risk is on you and not them, Right. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, this software may have bugs. It may not uh, operate completely without error. And you accept the risk that, that that, in fact, may be the case. But you can't see inside the box because you don't have source code. So you can't audit it. Uh, you just have, you know, trust me, trust me, everything's fine. Ah, it's all good. It's all good. Well, uh, it's interesting that you should, <clears throat> I got, well, <clears throat> I have a whole bunch of other stuff we need to talk about today. But since you open up this uh this little trap door, I have to, of course, fall into it like I usually do. Unbeknownst to a lot of people, although I suspect you might have a suspicion, the reason why, uh, at least for a while, uh, nobody nobody in the U.S. made railroad cars anymore is because, like, the last four or five or three or four or whatever contracts that people signed up for and were managed by these municipalities... It turns out the contracts were, were you know, maybe not even doable. Um, it, would, it led to big litig- litigation at the end and so forth, and everybody, everybody lost huge money on the things. 
they all the reason why the Chinese are building the new CTA cars is because there's no way in hell you're going to sue them. They're not going to they're not going to pay you. I mean, the reason why the the Bay Bridge was was re- restructured and had massive overflows, the Chinese is because where are you going to take them to court? Nowhere. They have an address here. I mean, that's I mean we we have done this in in other industries, not just the one you're talking about. I mean. Everybody, I mean, that's why there's no St. Louis car. That's why Boeing doesn't make railroad cars. That's why Pullman's out of the business. That's why uh, uh, Bud is out of the business, right? Because nobody, right. nobody wants the design, the design build uh, deadlines and so forth. Matter of fact, there, we had a guy. This, this, there's a guy right up your alley. This guy's name was Steve Brumble, and nice guy. Nobody liked the guy though because he was a computer geek, <laughs> you know. But he also. It, it gained some weight, but wouldn't buy any new shirts. So his tie was like really short. And he always wore his white shirt every day and kind of bumbled around. So he was called Steve Bumble, not Brumble. His name was Brumble. But he was one of the first guys who knew how to how to do computer stuff and how to do scheduling. Well, the uh, the New York subway car. And a lot. This is in a lot of the contracts. Even though they tell you you're really more of an assembler than a builder, they tell you like. 80% of the parts they specify. You're going to get this air conditioning, this air, and this, this. And, and this headlight, this door motor, because they've used them forever, right? Those are the ones they want. Well, when you when you're, your first 10 cars or 8 cars, you had to go into what they call a revenue test. We loaded them up with sandbags, and the thing had to run around the clock for 10 days before it, with nothing breaking. <clears throat> so even if a headlight broke, and they specified who the headlight person was, you had to go fix the headlight. You had to bribe all the people in New York to get into the fix-your-own car, right, which is typical in New York. So you had to bribe the people there, fix the headlight, and then, well then this guy put together a deal like five years later after we ended up giving New York four cars for free and lost, you know, $100 million on a, on a contract that back when $100 million was a lot of money. It was before I went there. So it was like 77. Steve puts together the entire contract, and he goes, if you look at every single part on here in the and how often they break and what the chances of. He goes, the chances of getting through a 10-day revenue test are zero. <laughs> It'll, it would never happen. Finally, after six months, they said, okay, you don't have to pass it. And it took six months. We were delayed. But, it's, but what you're talking about is, is endemic in what we, the way we do things here. We don't use our heads anywhere, it doesn't appear. Oh, no, you're, you're right, Chief. But, I mean, this is just, you know, this kind of thing. In the <laughs> one of the things that I have pointed out repeatedly about this whole debate over AI and uh, you know and improving uh, computing power and, and stuff like this, and nobody wants to hear it because it, it demolishes the arguments on both sides, is that democratization, when it comes to technology, has always happened in everything, except maybe nuclear energy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it has always happened, and therefore you must assume as a starting position that it, that whatever it is we're talking about today, it's going to happen again. All right. Now, what you can't really get your arms around is, well, how fast? Right? So, I mean, there are people who, even today, uh, are astonished that Moore's Law has held up as well as it has over time. Uh, which is, is basically the uh, the exponential doubling nature of processing capability, uh, and and it has, which is interesting, over extraordinary periods of time. Now, physics says that eventually you're going to run out of that because you you can only fit so many uh, transistors on a chip, 
And, and oh, by the way, the limit appears to be more thermal management than anything else. In other words, every, everything that switches power of any kind at any amount uh, generates some amount of heat when it does that. You have to get the heat out of the chip or it melts. So at some point, the problem you run into is that you can't get the heat out. Okay. And so the, the answer to this, though, over time has been to run lower and lower voltages inside the chip. Uh, of course, the lower the voltage, the less heat it generates because it generates less current as well. And so, uh, you know, but, but again, there's, you know, there's limits to this, right? I mean, eventually you're going to hit the physics, the limits in physics. But an awful lot of people, myself included, thought that this would have happened by now. It hasn't. The, uh, the interesting part of it, though, is that that democratization has made data, data analysis uh, possible that, that you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago wasn't at any kind of reasonable cost. Uh, I did work for an organization uh, before I ran my internet company that was trying to get the mainframes out of their business because they're very expensive. Oh, they were, they were, uh, then everybody, they used to have a, uh, like a computer facility like in Texas or someplace because there weren't earthquakes and so forth and Pullman's was down there. We had, Oh, had, yeah. We must have had 10 or 15 machines. You're paying five grand a month to rent the lease. Oh, five, five grand's nothing. Well, okay. I mean, no, I mean, actually, it was more like 20 grand a month. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it was it's. Big dough. It, these, these were, yeah, I mean, you, when you're talking about mainframe machines back, you know, back then at that time, uh, these, these were multi million dollar computing facilities that had power cooling and, you know, the, some of the big IBM machines were liquid cooled. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Ours okay. were. Because I, yeah, I, I actually did, uh, the, did the, AM, the, the uh, I used to write up the, uh, what do you call them, requests for capital expenditures, what do they call those things, AFE forms or something, something. And it, was, it was always about another computer. The weird part was we'd buy one that could do the capacity of like four of the old ones, and still we were hung on the lease on the old ones, we couldn't give them away. Right, yeah, they weren't worth anything. So, so the idea here was that you, you know, to split this workload up among a lot of much less expensive machines and therefore be able to get rid of the big, the big expensive ones, right? Well, they were about 10 years ahead of their time, and, and I, I don't think, I mean, I left the project ultimately, I was hired away, and, and you know, it's the way it works. But as far as I know, at that particular time, uh, that project failed. It was probably destined to fail at that time, simply because technology hadn't caught up with what they were trying to do. Uh, today, that would not be hard at all. It wouldn't be hard for me to do it in my house. <laughs> Where, uh, well, well, go back to what you were talking about, the driver's licenses. I, uh, you know, when I start this conversation, I should know what I'm talking about. But someplace, somewhere, I'm going to say 10, 15 years ago, Carl, I think I was doing some expert witness testimony for somebody, and uh, somebody did a deep, deep dive into my background, and they sent me this thing. I don't know where the hell I got it, Carl, but it, it, I'm thinking the only place it could have come from they had the, uh, my my address when I was like 16, what my first car was, where yeah. I went to grammar school, where I went to high school. I mean, but, but the idea that a lot of the information centered around the car that I had registered at the time led me to believe that this, you know, how they found the schools, they just, who knows where they found that. Uh, but that, the only place I could think of that had that kind of information would have been the Secretary of State. I don't know who else would have kept track of my cars and stuff. I guess you could have got my schools maybe from the archdiocese or someplace, but how would you know I went to St. John Fisher? My first car that I registered was a was an F85, a 66 F85, and they needed a license number. 
But it, where does this was? I was stunned where this came from. And this was, you know, this is before people could do the kind of data they do now. And it had to come from the secretary. I mean, I'm not so sure it's ever been secure. These places. It it never has. But it's but this is one of the problems with allowing this kind of concentration and allowing this kind of data collection. I mean, the latest the latest little uh, shtick that's come out uh, into the public view and. Uh, that that the level of outrage and that criminal charges have not immediately been filed in this uh, against some of these government agencies is, uh, is stunning that the American people will not force uh, these politicians and these agencies, everyone involved in this, to go to prison. Uh, and I don't care how you have to force it, uh, is, is quite a statement on our society today. The, um, all these social media companies all of these uh, all these cell phone companies, all these other companies, they all collect information uh, in the f- course of running their company. And, uh, you know, social media company uh, allegedly does it so they can target advertising that is, you know, is relevant to you, right? And that's, that's what they sell. Okay. Supposedly. Except, as I pointed out more than 10 years ago, the problem with this is that once they have it, they will use it to screw you. And they will sell it, and in their terms of service somewhere is this neat little thing that says, for other business purposes. Well, the FBI, the CIA, all the other three-letter agencies in the government, everybody else, have been buying all of this data in bulk about every single American. And they're stockpiling it, and analyzing it, and using it. Why? I mean, I don't, I don't see... I don't think there's anybody. I mean, of course, when people listen to the show and hear people talk. Somebody's always going to disagree about something, but I don't, I don't, I don't see any way. We were just talking about leadership earlier in the show with Kevin. I mean, I, I don't mean I don't think much of Jay Pritzker. I don't know what, what the motivation is for those people, but somewhere along the line, when they now, now I think you can't pay cash. Another COVID excuse. They fired all the guys that took cash at the uh, on the toll roads. Um, you can't pay cash, so you get this easy pass now. Right, and I and I th- I I seem to recall that when this thing went through originally, because you you pay in advance, so you you can't screw them. <laughs> you can't you can't well you could you could not pay, I guess if you change your credit card number and they can't find you. But I mean, once you have your credit card number, if I go on a toll road two days in a row, all of a sudden I see another forty dollar charge fly through on my credit card. No, it's not like. So there's no way I can I can screw them or I can get ahead of them at all. Well, Florida Florida did the same thing with their with their toll roads. They had the transponder and and you had to set up an account and get yeah. a credit card number. Yeah. So so the the idea was I you know I I didn't, I didn't read the bill but I heard at the time that they were going to get rid of the information after whatever it was six months a year I don't matter what it was. Oh sure they are. Well, but I'm saying but then one of my attorney buddies is it was a he, he was doing some divorce work and he said something like. That the the data is being used in some significant percentage of like every divorce. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We get, you know, oh, oh, by the way, yeah. you're cheating on your wife. Yeah. Yeah, and then the guy said, "Well, it looks like uh, the first Tuesday of every month, you, you clock through the the thing out in Huntley, and that's <laughs> that's where your girlfriend lives." I mean, well, this is, but yet I don't see how you. First of all, I guess my question to you is because you're in the business. If all of a sudden you or I get get elected governor and we say, "Here's what the law says," you idiots. I want this stuff. Anything that you have, that's a year older, you get rid of. Here's what it says. First of all, would they would they even do what I said? I, I'm guessing no, that. No. And here's and you know what? Here's here's another one. All right. And this is infamous and it's old. 
Remember when um, when that crazy dude and kid uh, knocked out the back taillight of a car and were shooting at people in D.C., in the D.C. area? Yeah. It was okay. it took, yeah, well, it took them quite a while to find them and arrest them because they were, uh, they were being rather clandestine about this. You know, they had kids laying in the back of the car uh, with a rifle pointing out through a, you know, through a what hole. What's the guy who just, was taking out people one by one around the place? The guy cutting the grass, the guy doing something else. That, that's the guy? Yeah, it wasn't, yeah. it was, yeah. It was, it was random it was, shooting, just a random shooting. Uh, yeah, exactly. And it's really hard to catch people doing that kind of thing, right? Because oh, yeah. there's no obvious link to, okay, why did this guy get shot? And so, you know, so what the, when you go buy a firearm, you have to fill out this form, 4473. It's called a yellow form, even though these days it's white. Uh, and you have to fill this thing out. Okay, and then they run your name. Since since Reagan got shot, you've got the Brady Law, which says that you have to, you know, they have to run your name through the computer to make sure that you're not a convicted criminal and, you know, you're not a crook, basically. Okay. The law says that that data cannot be retained. That's what the law says. It's actual hard federal law. It says that, the, yep, they can check your, your jacket, but they cannot retain that information. Well, the yellow form is in the books of whatever gun retailer you bought the gun from. But that's as far as it's supposed to go, right? So, so in other words, it would be almost impossible to, you know, to figure out, okay, what, you know, what gun was sold where, unless you have the gun. Now, once you recover a gun, you can trace it. All right, which, you know, where did the manufacturer sell it? Where was it shipped to? What store? And then from there, you, could, you, know, you can try to run this stuff down. But at this point, when this was going on, they didn't have either the person or the gun. <laughs> yeah. All right. So what did they do? They went around. They found all this information. How did they get it? Uh, good question. But they actually went door to door in the area knowing who had these firearms of that caliber because they had found, you know, they found casings and they and obviously they had the bullets from the people who had been shot. So they knew what the what the caliber of the weapon was. They went around and actually went door to door of people that they knew owned these guns. Now it was impossible without them violating that law for them to know which door to knock on. But they did it, oh, yeah. and not one person ever went to jail for that. As it turned out, the guys who did this had bought the gun like in Washington State or something like that, okay, and had driven across the country, and so absolutely none of these people that they went and did this to had anything to do with it. They 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 were not they were not the guilty parties, and they were completely unconnected. But this was a wild-eyed violation of hard federal law and nobody went to jail for it and it was never fixed well that doesn't surprise me well yeah but see i mean this is the thing is that you know i'm sure that florida still has records even though they're supposedly not supposed to of every single time i went across the mid-bay bridge when i lived there i'm sure they do yeah. because i had a transponder in the car but Pay i but i'll say that even if they told everybody to uh get rid of it, somebody They'd, stick a thumb drive somewhere and take it home. It'd, just, yeah, it'd, it'd, it'd be somewhere. It would not actually be deleted. Right. And yeah. so, you know, but this is this is the problem, the generalized problem that we have with all this data that's being collected is it is being collected, it is being used, and as I've pointed out repeatedly, if you think that Facebook is actually free to you, 
You're out of your effing mind. Well, it's like, saying, you, it's like saying commissions are free in our business. They're not. Well, no, they're not. And it, But here's the thing. If you think it's not being used to set your car insurance premiums, you're wrong. It is. And I'm just picking on car insurance as a, you know, as one yeah. of a thousand examples, right? If you think this isn't going into the risk calculation models of businesses that have bought that data, oh yes, it is. I, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't. The only thing it's not doing is that it's not doing, it's not helping anybody arrest anybody here because we don't arrest anybody. No, we don't. Well, you know, we don't arrest anyone anymore either. That's the other thing too. I mean, you know, we have. <laughs> <laughs> you you have the, the, Trump is you know is now under indictment again. Yeah. All right. Uh eighty percent of that indictment is garbage. I've read the whole thing. However, there is a section of it that's not garbage. And if it's true, he deserves to go to prison for it. Which 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 one is that through all the mess? It is. There is an allegation in there, and they, they apparently they have him on tape too. So he's he's got problems with this one. Uh that he deliberately disclosed classified information. To who? Uh, news organizations. Really? After after being out of office. Now, while he's present, while you're pre- pre- being president is kind of a weird thing when it comes to this kind of stuff. As president, you you do not need to know in order to have access to classified information. In general, you do. Okay, for everybody else, if you if you have access to classified information, you have to have been deemed it, it has to be necessary in some way to whatever job you're doing for the government. Okay, fine. President's the exception to that. President can have have look at hold in his hand whatever any classified information he wants. Period. End of conversation. It's not debatable. It has also been already decided that. A president who takes those records and keeps them post his administration cannot be prosecuted. That's already been through the system. And and logically, that makes sense. He's already seen it. He's already had it. Um, How do you revoke something out of somebody's brain? (laughs) You obviously can't, right? However, while he's president, he can disclose anything to anyone, and there's nothing you can do to him except impeach him. And this has been tested as well. Uh, presidents have done this. Trump is by far not the only president who's done that. Presidents have said things, disclosed things to other heads of state and other people that are classified. They did it without going through any kind of formal review. It's it's absolutely within his right to do that during the time he's in office. But at the moment he leaves office, he is an ordinary citizen, and the difference between him and somebody like the the reporters that broke the Pentagon Papers is that those people, the people that broke the Pentagon Papers, had no clearance. Therefore, they had no duty to keep what they learned secret. Well, Carl, when our, our, our buddy, our contributor, Mike Murphy, I don't know if you, you listened in a couple of days, he was on talking about this, and he said he he had, he had used to do briefings for uh, Congress on super sensitive stuff, and he said the uh, you know, they they give him the briefcase, and there'd be you know six copies in there, one for him, and right. one you know one for the five people in Congress he's briefing. It would be in a room in the basement, not in a regular Congress. And when it was over, he'd get the, the five copies from them back and bring it 
back, and the guy goes, all right, you checked out six, you brought back six, we're good to go. You know, so we, the idea is that they were sensitive enough that people would have been looking for them if he didn't show back up. So you're saying is if the president happens to be in that room, he can say, well, I'm keeping my copy. It is it provi- Yes. And he can. Well, which, he, which would be okay if he if he paid attention to it, put it in the safe in the old office or something. But if he well, it's it, he can do whatever he wants during the time he's in office. Okay, but once he leaves office at twelve oh one, you know, in January, once he leaves office, he held a clearance by virtue of being president. Therefore, he now has a duty not to disclose. And if he does. Beyond that point, he can possess it. But does he? That's does he retain? Does he retain the clearance? In other words, if you're no, no. See, well, yes and no. Okay, so he he. If you work on something, if you have a clearance, and it expires, anything you learned during the time that you held it, you still have a duty of confidentiality. It doesn't go away. Well, if I'm going to give you one. If I work on it, let's say I work on a DOD project, okay, and I have a clearance in order to do that, and then the project's over, I leave my employer. Clearances are linked to the need to know in the employer, so so that clearance expires. It's no longer any good. So I no longer have a clearance. I can't disclose the information that I learned during that time. I, I guess in, in a normal world or a TV world. Or maybe the the presidents one when one leaves and the other comes in they don't like hate each other or something. If there is a an issue with Putin, and, and Trump was a normal person and Biden was a normal person, and Biden would uh, had to go see or talk to Putin, you would think he would pick up the phone and he would call Trump and say, "You talked to him two years ago. What went on that I should know about? And by the way, here's the problem we have today. What do you think? What do you think about this?" Would Trump still be ha- able to have that conversation? I guess is the question. Um, well, that's that's uh, theoretically no. Okay. Well, um, I mean, the president makes the rules. If he invited him into the Oval Office, told everybody else to get the hell out, who, who you know, who's to say? Well, during that, uh, yeah. See, well, see now, if the current president, see that's 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 the the gimme on that one, and that the you know. The current president invites the former president into the Oval Office. He can disclose anything he wants to anyone. He could invite me into the Oval right. Office and do it. Okay, or you. They wouldn't invite me. Hey, S&P futures up 10, S&P futures up 57. We're in a little over, but we'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, 
food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708 349 3456 that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com stocks and jocks stocks and jocks stocks and jocks you are out of control here right now right here right now right now Hello, everyone. Thanks, and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 11. NASA Futures up 52. Yet another day like this. Uh, who knows where we'll end up? I mean, we might end up, you know, way the hell up. We had Adobe up. Adobe's up 100 hours in anticipation of earnings. Then they came out, and now they're up another 5% of $24. There is just really no stopping this. It's going, it's going to the sky. Uh, at least that's what everybody's con- is convinced right now. Uh, Europe up. Uh, DAX up 68.4%. FTSE up 12.2%. Can't get around up 74. That's a full 1%. Uh, but that's, uh, even though the ECB rated, raised rates yesterday at 0.25%, doesn't seem to bother the markets at all. Renasia and Nikkei up another 220.7%. Hang Seng up 211. That's a full 1%. That's two days in a row. We're up over 20,000. Shanghai up 20.6%. Uh, We've got and yesterday again, big rally. Dow was up 428. SP up 53. NASDAQ up 156. And the Fed did much exactly what people expected, but it doesn't matter. We're just. We're just we're we're, we're, in a, we're in giddy mode here. Ten-year, uh, uh, three point seven three unchanged. The bond on, uh, down three basis points, two point four seven. Japan down two basis points, point four zero. We've got oil uh, up twenty cents, seventy eighty-two. Rent up twenty-two cents, seventy-five eighty-nine. Natural gas up three cents, two fifty-six. Arbob up two cents, two sixty-six. Uh, got gold up seven sixty, seventeen ninety-eight again. Trying to move to the upside, but it never seems to make it. Silver up 31 cents. It's a big move in silver. Again, what, I mean, what did I? I didn't advise anybody buy or sell. All I did was say goes, we go, we're going from 23.40 to 24.75 violently, and then we come right back the other way. Well, now we're shooting back up through uh, 24. Uh, copper unchanged 3.89. I did not buy any, so uh, wasn't like I bought it and tell anybody. A uh, Bitcoin up 116, 25,519. We got the U.S. dollar uh, down a little bit, but the euro's back to 109.5, almost pushing for 110. A pound, uh, 128, so they're they're up uh, almost four tenths of a percent. Big moves in the dollar. Uh, Andrew, give a quick traffic weather sports. All right, it is a 740 here in Chicago. Uh, Going to make it quickly through sports. Let's see here. Cubs win, Sox lose. Yep, that's basically it. Yep. Also, Diamondbacks lost as well. Yep. Uh, Chicago weather, <laughs> it's uh, 54 degrees today. Cloudy skies, going to have a high of 70. Over in Phoenix, they're at 79 degrees. Clear skies, they're going to have a high of 101. 
and over to Chicago traffic. Uh, definitely a lot more traffic than the first hour. Uh, it looks like some accidents too over on the Stevenson. On the outbound Stevenson, we have a uh, left lane blockage uh, right before Cicero Avenue. Uh, if you're coming in on the uh, near the Kennedy, of course, if you're coming in through there, a lot of traffic as always. And there's an accident on the Kennedy as well. That's on the inbound right before Armitage Avenue. Uh, but other than that, it looks like business as usual. So that's our very quick break there. Back to you, Chief. Carol, I'm going to talk a little bit uh, since the market obviously is big news here. Yeah. And uh, well, I, I, my my read of this uh, is, you know, unfortunately, my, my read of this is, is I've seen markets go up and markets go down for my 40 years in the business. Make that like 42 now or 43. Uh, every single time if you were to plunk something the Fed did on top of the market, big moves either up or down, you would see the causation like four to six months before. Or now I think that time's getting a little shorter. But every it's, it, it's, it's not just valuation of companies, it's valuation of the dollar in your pocket. And now it seems to me the read of the Fed, and, and please feel free to tell me I'm a knucklehead, but the read of the Fed is they, they really, I don't know if they screwed up in their mind, but they... They poured way too much money into the system. We've got inflation, a price level that you know people can't, most people can't handle. Other people, if you happen to be caught in the right place, or caught in the right asset, or in some stocks, uh, even though we still are not back to all-time highs, although we're getting close, um, you've managed to take care of that. If you had money in the bank, you've gotten shredded uh, in terms of valuation. But now we're left with this. <clears throat> right now, here we are. And it, what the Fed seems to have told people a year ago, they made sounds as if they were going to attack, for lack of a better term, this massive bubble they put in there. And the money supply and the balance sheet, which essentially doubled. Money supply, well, say it's up 40%, both of them. Uh, balance sheet might have doubled, but the money supply is up 40%. And, and, and it's that way around the world. The euros, the, uh, the pound, you name it, all over the place. Japan probably even worse, because their interest rates are even lower. So they, they, they kept saying that they might potentially attack this and, and go down and, re, and retrace some of these steps. And now it appears this week, the message I'm getting, we're not going to do that. We're going we're gonna to try and steady inflation at a 2 or 3% level going forward, but we're not going to attack any of the 40% bubble we put in, in the last three years. So everybody's safe there. Let's just go onward. And the, and, uh, and the prices are, are going to be way higher than the average American can deal with for forever. And we even had Dan Janita say, you know what, people have gotten accustomed to it a lot better than people thought. They're just going to go on from here. And that's and now the, the stock market thinks that the floodgates are off again in the money. But my question is, it, it, even now, with, with this giddiness every single day, bye bye, there isn't a seller anywhere. I mean, uh, we put an order in yesterday. You know, I, do a, I have a specialized protective position for... Uh, uh, one of a stock where a person retired from there and uh, they have a lot of money all in one stock and uh, no one said a stock or anything like that because people might know who the hell it is uh, and uh, they're not doing so well you know physically so I, I absolutely have to keep protection on even to kind of no matter what right so right. S- stock's trading like that down to like 160 something so I roll my puts down to the 67 and a half now the stock runs back to like 73 so I go, all right, well, let's let's get back to the 70 puts. You know, the, the spread we sold for a buck and a half, we're going to buy back for 20 cents. So yesterday, the thing's up again. 
So I said, I call my brother. He puts the orders in for me. We always discuss stuff. And I go, uh, the, uh, I said, well, what do you say we, for 23 cents, we roll this up another two and a half points? I mean, someday we could actually go down. And we'd be crazy not to take the, the chance to roll our insurance up. And he says, well, this, the, the bid the bid on the spreads, the market is 20, 2050. And he says, where, where do you want to put it in? I said, let's put it in at 22 cents. He goes, how the hell are you going to fill it at 22 cents? I said, Dan, and Dan's a real bright guy, but he, you know, he's looking at the screen. And he, I go, Dan, we're the only idiot in this country right now who's buying a put. I, gar- <laughs> I, I guarantee you we're going to get filled the second you put it in there. He puts it in. All of a sudden, I see the thing flashing across my phone rings. He goes, hey, you're right. <laughs> Somebody couldn't wait to get this. <laughs> it, it is, but someplace, I mean, there's no doubt, everybody really feels, uh, Carl, as much as people can be moronic at times, people aren't morons, but they can be moronic at times, we all can be. There, if, if everybody, if nobody ever sells and we just buy, we're all going to be wealthy beyond the dream, uh, dreams of avarice, and we can just float this market up, and we're all going to be, at least some percentage of the population is going to be rich. Yet, I'm looking at Adobe today, 44 times earnings, Microsoft 40. And Microsoft, you know, there's a, it's a big company. They're up 100 hours in like three months. So right, right. now, right now they're 40-some times earnings, which means they make, what, $7 a share? I'm just doing the math here. Stocks trading three fifty. Now, most people would think that in a normal world, stock trading three fifty should be making twenty, and sending you a check for eight. Right. That that we're not even on. We're not within two decades of that happening with this country, this company, unless they buy everybody else. At some point, when does when does valuation start to trump? Uh, not Donald Trump. Start to trump. Ex, you know, ex, ecstatic. We're all rich today. Stuff. I mean, I don't think we're even close here, to be honest with you. I mean, and I think well, the, I think the Fed's pouring money in. And the, the other part of the, the coin is the more money they pour in, it's not the stock going up; it's the value of the dollar in your pocket going down. And I think we've been doing that for a while. Well, we have been doing it for a while, but uh, you know, all you got to do is take a take a look at the the federal budget and the expansion that happened during the virus. Okay, it immediately went to a six trillion dollar a year expenditure. It was a, almost a fifty percent expansion. Yeah. Okay, and well, the virus is over, right? I mean, so says Biden. So says you know, everybody else. I mean, no, the virus is not actually gone. Um, it's coronavirus. By the way, there's four other ones that circulate in the population all the time and have for the last you know hundred years or so. Uh, which is about as far back as we can actually trace them, because prior to that, we we didn't really know all that much about the difference between viruses and bacteria. Now, of course, we do. Uh, so now there's five. And for the most part, it's going to do the same thing that the other four do. It's going to cause colds. It's going to cause flus. Every now and then, it's going to whack somebody. Uh, but generally speaking, no. Uh, also, generally speaking, there's emerging evidence, not yet proved, but emerging evidence, that most of the people who COVID got actually didn't get killed by the virus. They got killed by secondary bacterial infections, which the hospitals refused to treat because they wouldn't give you any any antibiotics. And we learned that this killed most of the people in 1918, the Spanish flu pandemic. Of course, in 1918, we didn't have antibiotics. Now we do. When was was penicillin? 30-something? 
Yeah, so I mean, if you got, I mean, if you got gut shot in World War One, oh boy, yeah, we, you know, yeah, you were done because there was nothing you, what about you could the Civil do. War. Ugh. Well, I mean, but yeah. but there was nothing that really could be done about a serious bacterial infection, right? Because there there were no antibiotics. You either fought it off or you died. That was how it worked. And so, you know, bacterial pneumonias were, oh man, were they? And that's a miserable way to go. Well, guess what? It was this time too. And uh, there is emerging evidence that, you know, that that is what happened. Um, and the so-called protocols that, you know, all the hospitals got paid their $30,000 for, you know, their, their little bonus for following the rules. Well, the rules were uh, not to give you antibiotics because, oh, it's a virus and, and antibiotics don't do anything against viruses. Uh, okay, except what if it's not? Well, they weren't doing, and I've been trying to run this down. They apparently were not doing cultures or, te- or any kind of testing to determine whether or not there was also a bacterial infection going yeah, once on. Yeah, once they once you once they caught the COVID, they, they, that was it. They were getting that was it. You, you're positive for COVID. That's all it is, right? So, but all this spending, leaving aside all the all the stupid, okay, the spending level. Now you got McCarthy out there. Oh well, you know we're gonna we're gonna freeze spending where it is now well, wait a minute you you idiots jacked it up by 50 yeah, percent all right and this sounds great except it's not because what has happened you have you know you look at what's what's going on with birth rates and household formation things like this young people for the most part are smart enough to figure it out that hey guess what this doesn't work okay we can't form a stable two-parent family household. No, no no way. And, and then have some kids, right? And we certainly can't. We might be able to do it when we're 40, and we've had some time to have a bunch of money in the market, now we got $500,000. But when I'm 23, I've got two hundred grand in student loan debt. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it, it doesn't work. And so the birth rate currently is like 1.7, the fertility rate. Um, well, guess what? It takes two because only half the people that are born are women; the other half are guys. Uh, or some are some are to be determined these days. Well, yes, but it but it takes two on average, roughly, assuming none of your children die, and and every now and then one does. Of course, it used to be pretty high, but now it's not. Okay, fine, but we're not there now. You run that exponential series out to twenty one hundred, and what you're going to find is that about a third of the population we have today is still here. Long before you get to that point, what we have in society will collapse because there won't be enough people with brains to do things like run the sewer plant and keep the power on. And importing people from Mexico and Guatemala and whatever who have no education and and just don't have the chops to run the power plant. I mean, they, they may be very nice people. But they just don't have the chops to run. They, they that will. Power they will at least show up for work, though, and they don't care if the job's hard. Where our guys only want to do that. Well, they'll show up. For, I mean, you know, hey, listen, there's a bunch of, of dudes putting roofs on a, you know, putting a roof on a house across the street down the road a little bit from me, and, and uh, uh, great guys. They're they're actually you know they're, they're out there doing the work, right? Yep. But they couldn't run the power plant. No. Uh, Twenty miles from the house, without which there are no lights. And so, it, it, by the way, the compressor doesn't work very well without a cord either, right? Yep. So this is, this is the problem that's going to come up. And if we don't stop this, I mean, I'm looking at the real estate around here. It's crazy. Well, that's what you, you, what you just said, Carl, is almost exactly 
what this is the part that I, I, I have trouble communicating to like the listeners and everybody. What you just said about the 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 uh, federal government putting the money in and, and and the budget and not taking it out really. It's the exact same thing that I said because the Fed is what's financing it. But but most people, you do, do not realize that the two are linked. Oh, absolutely. But you know what? I, Powell, Powell's press conference a couple of days ago was very interesting because he said absolutely not that the Fed will, the Fed will not finance Congress's continued spending at these levels. Uh, bull. Uh-huh. Oh, sure he won't. This, you know, he, he's, he, he's, a, he's a, I think if, we, if I met him, I'd really like him. He has to understand that the guy, everything he said for, for as long as he's been in there has been a lie. I'm sure he didn't start out with it that way, but it's turned out that way. Well, it's, it's I, I think there is, now I don't know when it's going to happen, but what I'm seeing, what I'm starting to see, and the PPI data was actually quite interesting because, you know, there were people jumping up and down. Happy days are here again. Happy you know, days I didn't look again. at that so much. What did you find in there? Uh, so um, I, I, didn't give, I did not give that report. We were talking about something else. But So what did we miss? Um, well, what we missed is that on the in the trade and transportation side is where you saw the softening. It is showing up there. It always shows up in the PPI first because it takes time for it to, you know, to flow through into the CPI, right? I yep. mean, that's how it works. But on the services side, what, what I'm saying, and this, this I can sort of verify with the fact that I've been all over the place in the last three or four weeks uh, traveling. I was at an AI conference uh, out in Kansas City, and so you know, I got to do two 12-hour drives out and back. Um, and around here locally, of course, you know, local local anecdotes are not necessarily all that valid. On the other hand, when you drive, you know, a quarter of the way across the country, you get to see it, you know, in a lot of areas. What I'm seeing is the trade and transportation side is softening fast. I am too. And that's a serious problem because not only is that point to recession, but it points to exhaustion and the fact that people just can't pay the prices. And so... But the people with with assets are wealthier than they ever have been. Well, except... Yes. However, um, you have to sell those assets in order to have cash in order to spend it, right? Which means you need to sell it to someone. But, but nobody, nobody's going to sell because it's just going well, nobody. Uh, well, and, and but I'm seeing that, okay? I look at the real estate listings here. I see an awful lot of crazy high prices. What I don't see is sold signs. Right. Well, you know, well, you are, we're, we're just wandering off here and not wandering. It's It's exactly what... I've been kind of uh, once in a while. I don't know if I've done. It, I've sentenced you to this yet. Uh, somehow or another, our, our government. Kevin and I were talking about the Constitution earlier a little bit. Our, our government is is acting like a, uh, a CEO who's who's paid quarterly, you know, on, on performance. And we just kicked the uh, essentially the the deficit can down to the, the January after the election. Right is essentially what they did. Well, yeah, they're, with, yeah, they're, with no well, with no yeah. with no cuts in anything, and the Fed basically said is they're not going to worry too much about the balance sheet anymore. And they're not going to worry about the money supply. They're going to, even though he says he's going to, you know, be stricter with Congress. That's all. Let's see it. Yeah, it's all. Be, I mean, I guess my question is, even though so far we've had cooperation from other people around the world during the COVID stuff, are we in danger? I mean, it looks to me like even without knowing it, the fools in Washington are, are at least somewhat smart enough to realize that in the next 10 years, if you double the money supply like you have in the last 10, 
don't know if it's exactly true. I'll get that number for Monday, Tuesday. Uh, that you're, you're you're essentially paying people back in money that's way worth way less than you borrowed it from in the first place. And that's why people degrade their currency, devalue their currency, whatever the word you want to be. Um, even though we're the biggest dog on the block, if you do that forever, how do you not become Weimar Germany at some point? Well, that's that's precisely the but problem. But as long as these guys care, it's not going to be a point till after January, after the election. But now if the next group does the same thing, and it's another two years, another four years, we're going to be, if you and I last another ten years, we're going to be sitting here going, we don't even recognize this place. You know, I, I think we're already in, in, I don't know about Weimar Germany, because Weimar Germany, you know, was wheelbarrows full of worthless marks. Well, right? I mean, what, it started someplace. Well, I, I know. And the, market, I, and the market went straight up, by the way. Yes, it did. But, Chief, do remember one thing about that. We, we live in a society today that is reliant on supply chains and technological operation of things that was not there prior to World War II. Okay? After World War I and going into World War II, that sort of, of reliance didn't exist. Oh, I, I get it. I, but if I, if they had, if it had existed when Weimar Germany happened, the German society would have collapsed. Which it did. It it did, but it didn't. Okay, and and oh by the way, what you got out of that was an Austrian who promised to solve all the problems, didn't you? Well, and to a certain extent, he did. Those well, problems, it, it, yeah, probably not the way you want them. Solved, no, no, though. but. I, but, I, yeah, I, no, but but that's how this kind of thing happens, and we are going down that sort of road again. Well, but you're starting to see it this week, uh, Carl. I think if you, if you look at what would possess me to do this the other day, I don't know why I do this crap. I looked at the uh, growth in the euro dollar or the, the euro money supply and the pound during the COVID. It was almost exactly the same as ours. Yet now it's it appears that the people in Europe are a little less forgiving of this inflation it caused than the people here. They're not they're not as big a sheep evidently as we are. Where they're still pushing their rates up a little bit. Now they're still the euro rates are still down below ours, but they they, they traditionally have been. I, if if all of a sudden they start to say we we don't really want this inflation and they cut back on their money largesse and actually, you know, bring it down to a, a, our money growth to a reasonable level and we don't you're going to start to see the dollar drop against those other currencies pretty dramatically over time, which really takes... Then all of a sudden, people here will start to feel it a lot. I mean, right. so far, yeah. if you were to say to somebody, the, the value of the dollar is going down, what are you talking about? It's right with the euro, right with the pound, whatever it's always been. Because it's, it's the, the effort, like you say, has been very coordinated. Where in the Weimar situation, it wasn't. But if you look at Venezuela, their stock market is way up in terms of Venezuelan whatever their currency is. It doesn't matter because nobody has that currency, or Argentina the same way, or Turkey for that matter, right? Their stock market's at record high. Right. In, in their currency. But now... Well, yeah, now yeah. in dollars, however. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm No, but I'm saying we're, yeah. we're, we're trying to do this somewhat of the same thing here, thinking that the dollar will always be king. And, and there's a lot of people, I mean, I, as you know, I'm no fan of Bitcoin, but I, I surely understand people's at least idea that if everybody's going to do this forever, there needs to be an alternative currency. I don't think it's Bitcoin or whatever. It maybe needs to be based on something of value. But I don't think individual people are going to let the government get away with this 
But it's it's like if they doubled every everybody the money you had in your pocket, if everybody doubled, and I owed you ten bucks, or you owed me ten bucks, and you ran up the next day with the ten and went and handed it to me, I'd say, wait a minute, Carl, it's twenty today, bud. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's you know, I I was down in Florida in my old stomping grounds, and what used to be a dollar an hour to park in one of the municipal lots, you know, okay, you're going to go into a bar, you're going to spend a couple hours there, so it's two bucks. Okay, it's no big deal. Now all of a sudden, it's fifteen bucks flat rate. Well, I was digging. I mentioned yesterday. Gee, what was the inflation rate on that one, Chief? Well, I was digging through stocks and jacks records last year for my taxes, and uh, I I got a, a build AT and T was eighty two bucks in November. Now it's one hundred thirty. Yeah, I mean it's uh, you know same, same line. sort of thing, right? Same line. Yeah, same line. Well, yeah, I mean that's the you know people are like, oh well, you know inflation. Uh, yeah, right. Okay, pull the other one, my friends. I mean, you know, we all go to the grocery store. Stop that BS. Well, is there any now? When, when, when here? When should we got a dash? But when, when, when should you be worried about the all goes to the sky? I mean, I don't really feel like shorten this market here but uh i'm not so sure we can do can we do two more weeks of this three more can we go 40 days in a row of one percent a day i i think this thing i think it's going to break within the next year or so but exactly when i don't know well, i mean and so yeah so i mean i'm kind of sitting on you know i'm sitting on an awful lot of dry powder right now i mean you know stuff that i'm long obviously i like it but well i mean microsoft is, I mean, at three fifty, are we talking five hundred, or is it time to leave a little something for the next guy? You know what? That's all of this stuff is being driven by this hype around AI, and it's that's going to blow up in everybody's face, and and the tears are going to be ridiculous. But I don't know how far it'll go before that I, happens. I think it's it's being driven by money, and the, it, the, it, it is. It's well, it's got to go somewhere, right? And and so people are trying to jump on whatever's moving up. That's what they buy. Well, every time there's a trillion dollar rise in the market value, there's another trillion to buy on, right? The margin. Well, yeah, that's and that's kind of how it works right up until the margin calls come. Well, you know, margins are not record. Anyway, Carl, we got a dash, but you have a nice weekend. Uh, how, how bad is that drive to Kansas City from where you are? Uh, about 12 hours. Really? I didn't think, I didn't think it was that far. It's, it's a 12-hour run. Yeah, each way. Actually, you know, Kansas City is a long way past St. Louis, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. It's uh, you know, Once you get to St. Louis, it's about another uh, five hours from there. Well, so it would, be, five hours. it would be like 10 hours from here. Uh yeah, it's actually it's it's uh, yeah and 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 you have to deal with the insane Illinois gas prices, which I avoid every oh, yeah. chance I get. You know, Phil and Paducah ninety two cents a ninety two cents a gallon tax, bud. Yeah, well, they can bite me because I'm I I buy absolutely nothing within that state. Well, yeah, but you know, the only time I I could do that in Nebraska because they were always high, is when I got to suburban because they had the forty two gallon tank. I made it all the way across <laughs> Nebraska. That'll work. That's <laughs> <laughs> futures up twelve. Days futures up fifty-seven. Back on Tuesday, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex, offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.